The future of the church is in our hands. It's our responsibility. Jackie Hill Perry, Holly Wagner, Nona Jones, and Diana Nepstead are joining us for an important conversation on how to keep the church vibrant and growing. there are so many churches right now that are focused on millennials. And it's funny to me because that term is used sometimes wrong <laughs> because people are people assume that anyone who's young is a millennial. Right, but yeah. the truth is they're most likely talking about Generation Z. But there is a very concerning trend where I'm seeing that a lot of people, I'm a millennial, a lot of people in my age group <laughs> are either leaving the church or are not even joining churches. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've looked at some of the research just to try to understand this because right now um, there's a study called the General Social Survey where they, they try to look at social trends across the country and they found that uh, religious affiliation in the country is declining, like mm -hmm. in every age category, but in particularly it's pronounced in the millennial age group. And the reason for that, what the study showed, is it wasn't because church wasn't exciting, it was because church wasn't deemed relevant. Right, to their life. And by relevant, what it was looking at was uh, to what degree is faith actually part of how you express yourself, right. part of how you identify yourself? Mm -hmm. And the answer was, you know, it's just not relevant to my life. Like it's not part of my day to day. I'm focused on my career. I'm focused on my family. I'm focused right. on my friends. But this idea of church has become almost like this relic in some ways. I believe what's driving that, and this is just my own hypothesis, so I'm not saying that this is what the, the study showed, but I believe what's driving that is the way we've defined church has become so focused on the weekend that it's almost like it's tangential to people's lives. And the way that I think right. people in my generation, uh, the millennial generation, and especially Generation Z experience life, is it's a continuum. Yeah. Like it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mm -hmm. It's not something that's just like in a pocket in the corner on a Sunday. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and if that is what church is, then and it becomes irrelevant. Because if you miss a couple Sundays, well, then you're completely disconnected right. from the church. Right. Um, and so I, I, I know that there are many churches that have tried to combat that by you know, having coffee shops and having special services for youth, but um, I haven't seen that necessarily solve the problem. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, that's because the true root of the problem is more so relevancy than excitement. Mm -hmm. So that's just my initial... Yeah. Tape. Well, I find that Jesus is always relevant, but yeah. the church, I, I think we have a, a problem trying to yeah. be relevant. Well, it's yes. how we communicate, yeah. too, you know? It, to your point, if Sundays is, you know, the day when we dress, do dress in no way, yeah. we ever dress during the week, we listen to music, we're never going to listen to it, Correct. then that's yeah. not going to help us, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. right? And also what I find just with some of the feedback from us, from the millennials and Zs in our church, is the reason, or what they like is that, when we teach, if we're just like taking that part of church, when yeah. we teach, I'm not teaching theory. Yes, right. it's practical. It's right. practical, but it's yeah. also, I'm walking it. Yeah. Right. So I'm not setting myself up in a way that's, I'm like, I'm in this trenches too. Right. So this is yeah. how I deal with fear. Right. Mm -hmm. Or whatever the subject mm -hmm. might be. I tell right. real stories. I, there's like a vulnerability. Yeah. And yeah. I think that makes it genuine. You know, that keeps it yep. relevant. Yeah, yeah this, is, this is an interesting conversation to me just because... I think, yeah, I guess when I read the book of Acts, the way the early church did church, one, it was centered around the gospel, yeah. you know? Yep. That was what made people yep. come, and that's what made people stay. It wasn't that they had extra bread to hand out, you know, which would be, you know, lattes now. Right. And so I, I, I just wonder, 
I wonder if the content that we're presenting yeah. is why it feels irrelevant. Mm -hmm. Because right. if you're just giving me this passive aggressive yep. Jesus that is supposed to make life happy when right. I'm dealing with anxiety exactly. and stress and divorce and pornography addiction, what does Jesus have to do with that? Yep. But if you're preaching an accurate um, in a specific gospel, then the gospel very much applies to the things that all of us are dealing with. Yeah. And so I just wonder what is it about Jesus that we're not talking about mm -hmm. that makes it feel like church is irrelevant or pointless. The gospel is, is about God. It's not a formula, it's not a method, it's a message. It is the good news that a savior has come to save and set free. Um, in the early church, you see that when the gospel is taught, when Jesus is proclaimed, people come to know him and love him. Uh, that is their entryway into the church, is through salvation. Um, I think that is the method that we should all embody as the church now. I'm going to preach Jesus because if all the lights fail or if the sound ain't that right or uh, I'm not playing the most popular music, let me preach Jesus because I don't want people to come and stay because of something that's temporal. I want people to come and stay because of someone who is eternal, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I don't think you can fail <laughs> in talking about him because I think that's what people want anyway. They, lights are great. You know, we want to see your face, but we need to see his face. That's a huge part of it. Um, from what I've read in the research, this idea that the gospel is divorced from my everyday life mm -hmm. is really what's driving this idea of irrelevance, which is, so I'm going to church to hear these stories about these people from thousands of years ago that really has nothing to do with the life I'm living today. And I think that we do have to, in, in our approach to the gospel, we have to make it so practical and so relevant and so applicable. Because once people see their life, mm -hmm in the scripture, right. then it, it opens up. And it's because the reality is, we know that the Bible is, it's our answer to any challenge that we're facing. Right. But if we're only framing it in terms of, oh, these men, some thousand years ago, this is what they faced. It's like, but how does this relate to me today? And I think that's what this generation is craving for, is applicability. And I think you've seen the trend switch over historically in the American church. I can't speak to the Iranian church or the mm. Chinese church or the South African church, but I could speak to the American church. In the 50s, you saw the trend of this subdued, almost like that Mad Men television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like this, the look and the allure right. of perfection, yeah. but um, there's like a case system, you know, men, yeah. women, you know, almost this look and feel of perfection, but there were, problems brewing yeah, within yeah, the yes. nuclear family. The yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so um, when, you know, um, when the baby boomers started to emerge and it's like the 70s babies, you know, now the teenagers coming in, it totally revolutionized oh, yeah. the church. Now you have hippies, people. yes, <laughs> coming on the scene. And all of a sudden, they're filling the churches. Yep. They're, they're craving Jesus. Yeah. And so it was the Jesus movement, of course. And they revolutionized the church, relevancy. We were rethinking how we approach the gospel and made it almost like taking the cookies from the top shelf and yeah. bringing it to the bottom right. to make it relevant. Yes. Not devaluing yes. or watering down the gospel, but to make sure that it was given to everyone instead of making you know, principles so lofty with our language.
I think God's grace gives us the grace to grow and to change and to maybe even morph in some places where we would be staunch and traditional. Um, uh, I, I pray <laughs> that generations grow in grace on leading the next generation into what God's called them to do. It might not look like the way we did it, but they're supposed to do it the way God wants them to do it. And so um, I just pray that God lets us grow gracefully. Here's the reality, and I've, I've found this to be true, mm -hmm. is there are many people who have been in church their whole life, mm -hmm. 60s, 70s, yeah. who don't know the basic fundamentals of the, of the gospel. Absolutely. Right. Because it has not been taught in a way for them that's right. practical and applicable. It's, it's just religion. Totally just religious. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Or hype. And, and, and even in our, in our heart, which is the good heart to bring a generation, then you know, the, the modern church, we created events. So yes. the platform became yeah. a deal and lights and smoke machines. And listen, I'm all about it. Make it fun, <laughs> make it alive. Yes. But yes. the message is sacred, right? The method yeah. isn't. The method so, is yes. so use whatever. Yeah. But if that's the big deal, then we're still missing right. what you were saying. Right. It's, can Jesus change my life? Yes. Yeah. I'm dealing with loneliness, fear, and addiction. So it's communicating amidst all the bells and whistles. Right, right. right? And that's our, our job, right, is to communicate right. the truth. And so I, I don't mind all of that stuff because I think that can be the attractional church. Like yes. it brings people in. Yeah. But then what are we doing? Yeah. yeah. Right? And how are we encouraging the generations in one church? I think that's the healthiest form of church. Yes. Is when Because we were just talking in the car and you were just saying that, You've been married six years and two weeks. I love that you say that. <laughs> and, um, which is awesome. But for your marriage to thrive and yeah. flourish, yeah. you need to be in yeah. fellowship and community, genuine community with people who've been married 20 oh, yeah. years. Oh, yeah. They can call out stuff in you. Yeah. Right. The good and the bad. One of the funny things about my, my own particular ministry is that people often say, Jackie, you're so wise for your age. Like you have a, a bit of wisdom, right? And part of that is that my mother was older. We would watch Dateline at night when I was seven. Mm -hmm. So there's that. Mm -hmm. Love it. But a huge part of it is that I've always connected myself to older mm -hmm. women. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Always. And so, so much of what I know is not me. It's the people I've surrounded myself with. And I think that's the benefit of having a multi-generational church is that there is only so much wisdom I can pull from somebody right. my same oh, age. Yeah. You have not lived long enough. You right. have not been you haven't seen enough. enough. Yeah. Right. You might know some Bible. You might have right. been to seminary, but you have not been able to live it out and right. see yeah. the fruit, right. uh, long-lasting exactly. fruit that's come from it. And so I think having generations in a church is huge. Yeah. But I love your attitude because I think a lot of kids your age, kids, to learn and glean from. No, you're right. Which is proud. In a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Yeah. Uh, in Titus 2, it says older women teach the younger. Yeah. Uh, there is something for us to learn. I think if you value wisdom, if you Absolutely. read Proverbs, Absolutely. then wisdom will say, I need people yeah. to be around me that know more than me. Mm -hmm. And I think you are doing yourself and your life and your children and your husband and your sphere of influence a disservice to think that you can only learn from people that you like mm -hmm. or know or look like you. I think the other lane of that is, on the one hand, we in our generation, we have to be teachable. And I think older generations have to be willing to teach. Yes. Where, where exactly. I have found... Open their mouth and share. Yeah, where I have found the biggest challenge, I was actually just sharing this with Diana, is I was like, throughout my whole life, I mean, I've been in ministry since I was 17. Uh, the Lord has 
truly given me the ability to speak in international spaces. And yet I've never really had a mentor or like a, a mother in the faith who was actually calling me to check on me to like teach. So I had to seek that out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I do seek that out, but I think the mentality has to be, if God has given you a measure of wisdom and God has given you experience, mm -hmm actively share that like yeah. look for opportunities and don't just look for the people who are successful Absolutely. what i have found Absolutely. is that people are so willing to pour into the person who <laughs> frankly is okay without them yeah. it's like no look for the people who need you right like they need your wisdom because they don't really know how to navigate these spaces um and so we try to even at our church like we try to tell the, the older women like listen our young ladies are struggling and don't don't criticize them yeah. to the point that you break them, right? but actually right. build them up and guide right. them and direct them with love. Connect with us on social media. Like, comment, and even share your favorite moments from today. We can't wait for you to join our community. Explore more of the stories and inspiring content you love from Better Together on our YouTube channel, Better Together TV. Subscribe today and never miss a new upload. And here's the deal. At any given point, you're old and you're young. Yes. Right? Because the there's always somebody younger than you. Yeah. yeah. So how, how old are you? 30. You're ancient. <laughs> right? Because there's a 15-year-old, right, yeah. who's going to one day need <laughs> the stuff that you've walked through. Yeah. And, Already, yeah. Right? And yeah. then and then the 40-year-old, she's old. It's like we're all old and young. Yeah. Right? At the same time. And it's, to your point, yeah. it's the younger, right, having that humility to go show me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it means shutting up half the time. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And then the older, when you're in older woman mode, then it's having the compassion and the courage to yeah. share your bad. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Right? Not just the victories. Nobody learns from my victories. Right. That's they the learn truth. where I stuffed up. Mm -hmm. Right? The mistakes I made. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Having the the courage to be willing to share that. And I just think healthy churches have the men yeah. doing that and the women, and the women that have both. the generations. Yeah. You know, there's that um, one of the saddest verses in the Bible to me is in Judges. And it's basically after the death of Joshua. Mm -hmm. And it says there arose a generation who did not yeah. know God nor his yeah. deeds. Yeah. I'm just like, what the heck? How did that happen? How did that yeah, happen? Exactly. And so then when I think about the church, it's like our job is to bring a generation on the journey to yeah. keep speaking the truth and doing the hard and changing the method if you need to because you're losing young yeah. people. Do it. But keep speaking the Absolutely. No, the truth and the... Right. And I think for my mother, if I could speak on behalf of, of, of her experience, if she were sitting here... Um, she was a single mom in the church, yeah. and the pastor embraced her yeah. in a time where unwed mothers, mm. single parents, were not accepted yeah. in the church, mm. but made a space for her to come in and all the older women. Mm. She was 19 wow. and was given a place to stay in, in little Pittsburgh, California, wow. in a home of a single woman who opened a space for her wow. to bring her in. And I was born into that atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And so she, when she married into a blended family, you know, the older women in the church brought her in. But I, I didn't have a grandmother. I didn't have aunts and uncles because she was leaving a life yeah. that, that was so full of secrets. Yeah. But this whole church became her context of 
aunts, uncles, family, immediate. It should be immediate, family, right? Immediate. Family. And so for me, now a grown woman, when I married my husband, I didn't have a grandfather. I didn't have a grandmother. I didn't have aunts, uncles, cousins. But when I married into my husband's family, I had instant family, aunts, uncles, cousins. And my children grew up with a great grandmother, a great grandfather. And those voices, generational voices began to speak into my, now my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, and now my husband. And so these stories, these successful stories, but you know, feats and triumphs and low places that yeah. they learned, they were passed on from generation and generation. Yeah. Now my children, now being generation Z, they're growing with the wisdom of grandparents, great grandparents but also mom and dad. And so you see the wisdom passed on. And it's most unfortunate to hear your own children being Generation Z saying, I see my peers mm -hmm. and it's more peer to peer mentoring yep. and exactly not valuing right. the older generation when that's all that they've experienced. Yeah. So it's important, like what you said, Jackie, to have the wisdom yeah. of the older. We're all someone's older. Yeah. That's right. But it's up to us not to build our own dynasties and forget, yes, you yes, know, the yes. ones that are that are that we need to bring up. Yeah. But it's to build the legacy. If we want everlasting legacy, it's to keep speaking the the journey of Jesus to the next generation yeah. in every conversation. Yeah. You raise such an interesting point about this idea of building your kind of kingdom to yourself. Mm -hmm. Like I've noticed it's generationally, it's fueled by technology, but I think it may also be fueled economically is there has been this um, shift in older generations when it used to be so much about preparing the next generation to lead and to be equipped and to be emotionally sound. It's become so much about building my name, building my reputation, you know, building, building my legacy that I think we've lost sight of the fact that a legacy is, is so different than an obituary. So, an obituary is, this is all the stuff that I accomplished. A legacy is, here are all the people that I helped. People. That's right. Right. Yeah. And so that's my fear, is I yeah. think part of where the disconnect is right now is it's like, I've built these amazing things. Look at what all I've done. Mm -hmm. But then there's nobody to take it over. And I think what you just said about that passage is so true. Is like, how in the world is another generation raised up after this incredible leader who doesn't know God? Yeah. So, so the decline, the spiritual and moral decline that I see in this country is not because this generation is so horrible, this generation doesn't love or know God. It's like, what happened to the generation before? Because that's the generation that's responsible. Yeah, well, yeah. I, feel like I, I feel like I need to apologize to a generation. Right. And you're it, so I apologize to you. <laughs> Sorry. I just feel like in the church world, we made the platform the end game, mm. right? As opposed to mm. a life well lived or joy in the secret places mm. or... So we put this spotlight on the platform so and good, it's Holly. not mm. that. And so I'm sorry, yeah. you too, you're a millennial. I'm sorry that we did that. And because that's not what's gonna sustain the church. It's not yeah. about the platform. It's building your kingdom instead of God's kingdom. Yeah. Right? And so what would be better is for uh, my generation to say, hey, I I've opened a door here. I'm gonna keep it open, come on through. So to be be, you know, the gatekeeper. I'm, come on, this is for you too. Like I've, I've in, in many ways, many times I've been the first woman on a, on a lot of platforms. And so rather than just, um, you know, making that all about me, it's like, no, I'm gonna do my best to treat that with honor and respect because there'll be another generation coming up and I will mess it up for them. And so I just think that's part of it too. It's, it's um, you know, inviting a generation along the journey. But then also what um, counteracts that drive for the platform 
is to get out in the community. Make church about getting out in the community. It's not, you know, don't give someone a microphone if they haven't held a broom. And, and don't you just hold the microphone with me. It's like, you know, it's like get out there with the broom and you know, clean the toilets, do whatever it is to remind yourself church is not just about the lights. That's actually the smallest part of my job. You know, most of it's helping people. I think there's an upturn though. Yeah. In the generational church. Yeah. We have generations yes. in our churches. I think you have them. I, I can't speak for all churches, but the big C, the yeah. big global church, I think there's more wisdom than we think. Mm. But um, when I see Generation Z, I gave birth to Generation Z. I have Generation Z in my home. Mm. I believe there is a generation that's on the scene right now that is a values-driven generation. Yes. And if I could speak prophetically into this, it, it would be to, to just say right now, that we're seeing this upturn, this upswing of kids wanting to fast, wanting to pray, yep. leaning into the fathers and mothers of the generation, you know, redigging wells, taking up the, the things of, of the past, revisiting landmarks mm. that were on the journey of lives that were well-lived and saying, if it happened for Billy Graham, yeah. I'm gonna take claim. Yes. I'm gonna lay claim to that. If it happened for Holly Wagner, mm. I'm gonna lay claim to that. If it happened for a Pastor Chris Hodges, I'm gonna lay claim. Yeah. I want all of that. And this is the season where you're gonna see so much of this youthfulness, but this prophetic movement of kids wanting, going, you know, just full on yes. for the Lord. Fearless. Hungry, Fearless. Yeah. hungry. And they're made for this generation. Mm. Even though the tides of culture is so strong, they have a resilience in them that they want to lay claim to some of these things and see it in their day and age. Yeah. I believe we're living in the Omega season of God, mm. not the Alpha. Yeah. I believe the Omega. Yes. And um, we're going to see the best days of the church ahead. Mm -hmm. I 100% agree with that. Yeah. I'm excited at the, at the future of God's church because there is this radical generation who yeah. speak truths when nobody was yeah. speaking truths mm. and push open doors and yeah. fearless. And to me... Wow, this is the most exciting time to yeah. be alive. And it's bigger than the American church. I mean, I, Absolutely. I've been in Colombia and I'm just like, oh my gosh, what God Brazil. is doing. And the yeah. Iranian church. Yes. yes. What's happening? And what's really, really exciting about it is because technology has now essentially lowered the barrier to access to information, we have a generation that's not just fueled by emotion. Like their experience with God is based on authentic understanding of who God is. It's not just, oh, it's my mom's church and we went there and we right. danced all night and it was great. It's like, no, no, no. I know what the word of God says and I believe what the word of God says. And I also know what other people believe mm -hmm. because I have access to that information. Yeah. So my faith is sure. And it's not just based on what I heard growing up. So I'm excited too. Yeah, I think to your point, there's a generation, this one, that's not content with just the cute yeah. Instagram post. Yeah, 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 like yeah. They want the deeper conversation. Transformation. So there are... Mm -hmm. You know, I think oh, yeah. there were some that, that the refrigerator magnet Christianity worked, but not, not them. Because yeah. mm -hmm. the world is having heavy, deep, yes. relevant yeah. conversations. And so I think Absolutely. we crave it, we want it, and we go after it. And we're willing to talk about it even if nobody else wants to. Amen. The courage to be brave. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> I love you guys. Yay. I love you. I love you. The thing about Jesus' ministry is... He did not just come for any particular generation. He came 
that all would have life and have it more abundantly. And so as churches, as members of churches, as Christians, uh, we should be striving to ensure that our places of gathering reflect the diversity of our community. Um, it would be such a travesty and such a shame for the next generation after Generation Z to not know God and to have even less of a relationship with Him. And so I pray God right now, Lord, that within all of our hearts, you would just stir us up so that our churches would minister to the needs of all generations, God. I pray, Lord, for those who are baby boomers all the way through Generation Z and beyond, uh, that they would have uh, just the ability to connect with the ministry where we can learn from each other. Uh, we can learn from the past. We can learn from the present, God, and we can help shape the future together so that it is a future that honors you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.